Welcome back, listeners. On this episode, I spoke to costume designer Marcy Rogers about her work on Till. Rogers is a CDG Award nominee for Excellence in Period Film for Black Klansmen. I'm so excited to talk to you because my film professor actually wrote Chirac with Spike. So um, just, I don't know, adds an extra level to it. Oh, Lissa Strada is a very special story. I don't think a lot of people understand it. Um, that when I got the script, I was like, I was in grad school and I had just, you know, I had to read like Macbeth and all that. And then I had to get in, get into the root of Lissa Strada. And I was like, huh, this lady was uh, strong. <laughs> and she doesn't get her shine like she should, but one day. One day for sure. Um, so I just wanted to start out by asking you, um, sort of an ice breaking question. What's inspiring you right now? <laughs> Life. <laughs> I say that, I mean, and that sounds cliche, but it's, I mean, I'm a storyteller, right? Of like people in their, their journeys. And some of them are real, some of them are fictitious some is some it's a mixture of both and just really not fighting the process if you will just going through it um creatively I do have to like sometimes tap back in so I'll like visit a craft store or I will visit like a fabric store just so I can get in the vibe but truly, it's just really people watching. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. So, I mean, not in New York now, but um, it's really everywhere. Just kind of figuring out why people do what they do and, and dress how they're dressed. Yeah. And so on one of your first credited projects, Chirac, you worked um, with the legendary Ruth Carter. And I'm wondering what you learned um, from her so early on in your career. Uh, Well, I would like to back up a bit. Yes, in film, I did work with Ruth. But what I learned before I got to Ruth, I was I I was taught by the also legendary Reggie Ray um, and and Helen Huang, who is a, a professor and the director of the costume designers um, program at University of Maryland. And what and what I learned from them by the which I believe helped me be of of service and more so a sponge to soak up that portion of my process, if you will, um, was to be an artist and to learn how to create characters. Um, visually through wardrobe design or costume design I mean it's you know it's really costume design through wardrobe to create characters through wardrobe but costume design but more so not even that like just understanding how to create a world and how our clothes fit in these worlds right like like I said earlier you said how do I get inspiration sometimes I'm like you know like I'm living in I'm working in New York living here now uh during this project and you know, there's a huge Hasidic Jew community and I literally sometimes get lost in that because they're in their world and they fit in their world, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. 
but then what about those who have to go through that world and you can totally see them juxtaposed to what that ecosystem is <clears throat> so when i got to chirac um and working with ruth it was it was an honor because the way that she communicates costume design you know it was it was kind of reminiscent of Reggie and Helen, where she definitely learned not to be afraid of color and be bold. Excuse me, have those underlying layers of texture or lack thereof. But I was kind of going through that learning curve at the same time, because when I worked with Ruth, that was my last year at University of Maryland. So I was, it was kind of like, I hate to be cliche, but it was full circle for me by the time I got to Chirac. And then more importantly, just having the opportunity to work and 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 be a part of such a project that is so close to home. But then I was at home, right? So I was able to like be a part of something that could communicate what Chicago culture was by way of the story Mr. Lee was trying to tell. If, mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. And um, speaking of Spike, um, you're nominated in 2018 um, for a CDG award for Black Klansmen. And I'm wondering what you have learned from Spike Lee um, and what makes him one of the greatest of all time. Ah, what have I learned from Spike? to believe in yourself um spike is a obviously a legend um but one thing that i can say that i've always taken away from working with mr lee is i always walk away learning something not just on the surface of the script you know i didn't i couldn't have fathomed being in the same room with harry belafonte like you know and I couldn't have fathomed being in the same room as um, um, Eldridge, Eldridge Cleaver's wife, um, Kathleen Cleaver, who's a, I believe that's her name. Her, she's a professor at, she's a law professor at Emory. And, and truly just being in the room with her and hearing how she talked about the love story her love her love story with her husband and how they met and how i could still see years later how she was still in love with him and she was in that moment with him. actually you know bagging all the way up to my first project i would have never thought that i would actually meet the original nola darling i mean and just being in the room mm -hmm. with her and just understanding one thing i can say i have learned from spike is to to understand to truly understand what it means to be a beholder of deference. And I don't think a lot of people see how important that is and how precious that is at the same time, because truly it's a gift when you're in the space of people. I mean, we can even talk about me working with Spike. You know what I mean? Like, let's take everybody else that I've mentioned out of it, just being in the presence and learning and soaking up what you can. Um. And he also, he also reminded me, which is what I learned in grad school and I learned from Reggie was, um, to be 
proud of your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then in passing, you got to continue your period film work with um with Tessa with Tessa and Ruth. And I'm wanting to ask now, since we've talked about a few period films, what draws you to period films and what what are what is it about these stories that draws you to them? Uh, I think the period films have become at this point in my my stage of my career is a bit of my destiny. Um, because I started off with She's Gotta Have It, which is contemporary, right? And then a lot of people don't talk about the movie that I my first feature was The Day Shall Come, which is what I filmed in uh, the Dominican Republic, and that happened and then that's when Klansmen happened you know we I went from the day shall come back to New York to do Klansmen but I say all that to say a lot of the projects that I've done I recently did a talk at Soho House in Chicago and the 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 theme was um, heroes without capes and I thought that was pretty interesting because a lot of the shows that I've designed are essentially heroes without capes right like they have all had integral parts on society within their little worlds um and of course they don't fly around the sky but they're like their impact has resonated further than they can even think or know mm -hmm. um and i've been blessed to have been able to be a part of that society you know with my craft and my gift um so that that's what I say in regards to period. It's funny because when I was in grad school, a lot of my pieces or when I was learning, if you will, or starting my journey, I did a lot of contemporary pieces. And a lot of people, you know, it can be argued that contemporary is harder than period and period is harder than contemporary. But I mean, again, as I said, I'm a storyteller, so, or a visual architect. So, you know, if, if I can go back into time and by way of what I do to depict costumes that feel real and accurate. It could be any project for that matter. Mm -hmm. And then, so until you're obviously tasked with telling um, an impossible but essential story. Um, and so I'm wondering what, how did you begin that process and what did the research look like for you? I'll say it again. I think it was definitely destiny. I mean, I'm a native of Chicago, as we know. Um, and I grew up hearing about Emmett Till. I, you know, it, it, it was a, every year it became a distant memory until it was brought back up. And so I remember being, I was actually in grad school and I was having, I was, I had just finished conducting a fitting. And I remember walking out of the fitting room in grad school and saying I'm going to design a movie on Emmett Till that was seven about seven years ago and I remember the ladies in the room kind of looking at me like okay here she goes like because I was mumbling it it was almost like I was prophesizing it but I kept I was like ranting almost I'm like I'm going to design a movie on Emmett Till so seven years later I get the call um from Chignone and she said to me I'm doing this movie and you're the only person that came to mind because I I feel and I'm confident that you can you are like the epitome of Chicago it, from from a perspective of costume design and and I am you know and my father is like 
a legend a legend in Chicago too. So um I got the call. I actually wasn't in Chicago, I was in DC. And when I got back, I literally just started to ride around the city and just kind of like pick up the vibes from a different, you know, not being me, Marcy, but just picking up on the vibes of like, how did this feel in the 50s during this time? I mean, some of those um, prominent buildings are still there or even like the South Side, Mm -hmm. Um, listening to music. And then I started to dig a little bit more like research wise, I reached out to the Chicago History Museum and just seeing if there were any photos or anything that I can see or try to put together during that time. I mean, and I grew up in Chicago when Marshall Fields was actually a thing and it's now, it was now acquired by Macy's, but I went, you know, and like going to Marshall Fields and just being in that space of innocence, like Emmett um, and growing up in the North compared comparatively to Mississippi and just trying to feel the vibrations and that's really what I did I mean because the script as you see it's 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 the perspective of Mamie but there's so many other perspectives that that I wanted to kind of communicate while designing and who were those perspectives definitely Emmett I mean because the world only saw or has seen a select few of photos of him, um, which we've seen publicly. But I wanted to make sure that Emmett, from what I thought I was intuitively channeling, was very well-dressed and put together because his mother wouldn't have had it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, because she was, she was, she was, um, she had the opportunity to have access to certain things because she had a job, but she also, you know, fashion or wardrobe sometimes is a conduit to freedom. And I wanted that to be like, I wanted to show that with Emmett, you know, with like, and a lot of pretty 98, I would say 90% of his clothes I actually made. Like I went and I fabric swatched this and I said, he's going to wear this. This is what he's wearing with that. His hat down to the shoes, unfortunately, when we see the scene, when they take him out of the house, like everything had a story. It was almost like he was his own, he was his own muse. I mean, after all, when they go into this, the, the opening, you know, opening scene when he's like, Mama, can I have this wallet? He chose the wallet he wanted because inside mm-hmm. that's what he wanted. You know what I mean? And he may not have been able to explain it, but that was other than what we know. But like he had a mind of his own, as most black boys do or most children do, you know. So there was one. And definitely Alma. I wanted Alma to have bold colors. Um because during that time and even pat backing back to the 20s with passing the photos that you see of people are in black and white so how do you communicate color right so like how do you communicate those emotions so for Alma I definitely wanted her to have I wanted her to feel matriarch like the matriarch so she had the more rich earth tones and I was so happy when Whoopi saw her clothes she was like oh my god this is exactly what my character is gonna be I was like oh thanks um 
and just having those nuances in her clothes and some of leaning more towards the 40s for her because at that time people didn't like go shopping like we do right like there was no such thing as thrift stores they it probably was but i don't think it was to the degree that we have access to now where we can go and literally change our closet under 500 if you have the eye mm-hmm. so alma but then more importantly going juxtapose all that to mississippi which we haven't really talked about in the 50s and having I was adamant about having in the courtroom and it and it I believe it happened in real life having Chicago and Mississippi in one space. So you have Mamie and uh, her father, and then you have all of Mississippi. And how it's literally like those the, those two states or a city versus state in one room and how the, the wardrobe can pretty much identify itself. Even Carolyn. I built her costumes. Um, some of it was historic and some of it, um, I just thought it made sense to fit into the world, into the world that um, Kurt was building and, and Chignonye and um, Bobby was lighting. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Venn diagram in a way, combining yeah. the two worlds and then having sort of that center. Um, and then, I mean, what, I mean, obviously, Danielle's giving the performance of a lifetime and it's incredible to see what she's able to do in the two and a half hours that she has. But what was the main message that you wanted to get across with her costumes? Well, hopefully that she was definitely a classy lady. She was poised and even throughout her pain, she kept it contained. you know, I, in the beginning, I wanted to start off and Chiyoya and I definitely decided that we were going to start off with her to have color. And then towards the end, obviously, when she found out about um, Emmett, that's when her, the color palette started to change. Because when she finds out she's in an orange dress, and then right after that, she goes into grays. And, you know, mourning, well, she actually goes to black, obviously, because she wears that to the funeral. But I was just trying to figure out or feel in a space where what does mourning look like and why not make it another color but black? Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost like Malakali, you know, like it didn't have to be black. We know what it was. Um, so that was what I wanted to separate her from everyone else. And I, 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 I probably can say I think I did, particularly with the yellow dress. And a lot of times we don't, I don't talk about it, but the yellow, yellow was very important to Chinyonye because that was a color that they assigned to Emmett. So in the, you know, when she takes him to the train, well, actually when we first see him in the opening scene, he's wearing yellow. And then when she takes him to the train, she's wearing yellow. And it's almost like poetically Chicago or Emmett is leaving Chicago at that point, right? Because she's looking at the train go away and Emmett's in blue and he's in the hat. And then we circle back to the end when he's in some sort of yellow, when she sees him as a, I wouldn't quite call it a ghost, but you know, when she's actually visualizing him there mm-hmm. in a more happier space, as if he would have returned home from Mississippi. Yeah. And so my final question to you, um, you seem to be all about destiny and sort of manifestation. Um, what? What is a project that you 
want to do and that you want out there in the world? Mm. I actually, this is going to be so funny. Years ago, I met the owner of, uh, the founder of the Cabbage Patch Kids. And we were, um, we were in this space and he was, he was like kind of staring at me. And so I, I'm like, you know, hi, my name is whatever. And so I was with a coworker of mine and they had already connected. Long story short, he said, do you know who this is? And I'm like, no, I just, I'm here. Right. And so he's like, oh, he's the founder of the Cabbage Patch Kids. And I'm like, whoa, because I grew up having I mean I'm telling my age but I had a cabbage patch kid I actually have a I have a photo right now of myself at under the Christmas tree with a cabbage patch kid and so (laughs) he's so the friend of mine introduced me to him and he was like this is Marsha she's a costume designer this is blah 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 he's the founder of the cabbage patch kid and so the young man said I call him a young man he's older but he said the gentleman said what do you want to do he just asked me the same question And I said, I think I want to do a superhero movie. And he said to me, what does that mean to you? And I was like, I want to do a superhero movie, you know, like build armor and like watch them fly across the sky. (laughs) And he said to me, why don't you create your own superhero? And that has never left me. Mm -hmm. So I say all that to say, I wrote a book, a children's book. It's based on my, it's based briefly on my life like in a synopsis if you will of like 27 to 30 pages but I'm actually in the process of creating my own script to to kind of develop and 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 create the superhero that I didn't even know that I was going to become or even be attached to so to speak to these stories and and inspire people so that's what I'm in the process of doing of creating a story for children of all shades and colors and ages because I think we all have a child childlike heart when we when we want to tap into it no matter what age where you could just feel free and 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 be okay with you know not being scared to manifest and and follow your dreams even if it's like on Saturdays where you're just somewhere knitting I don't mm-hmm. know I'm random but so that's that's what I want to do. But other than that, I can say truly I've done just about everything but Marvel. I've done all of the periods. I designed the opera, um, Tremonisha, which will be premiering worldwide in Toronto next year. So that's the 1800s piece. So I always said I wanted to design an opera. I designed an opera. Um, I've designed, like I said, just about every era um I did a graphic novel paper girls so I did design armor um I'm open um I wouldn't mind yeah I wouldn't mind doing futuristic Mm -hmm. um but for right now I'm kind of like headstrong on or like I have my heart set on like what is what what is everybody's individual superhero look like other than what we've been told thank you all for listening this episode was edited and produced by me Jackson Vickery graphics were done by Dylan Michael and the opening and closing theme were done by Sterling Gavinsky